0: so the name america that's a unique name where where did that derive from
1: well um so i think it is a very funny story because i don't like um wrestling but <laughs> my father loved it in mexico there's a there was a big culture of wrestlers and going to um places to see them um, rest wrestler so my the father profe-
0: the the professional wrestling that, yes you know, that... yeah 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 no the professional that's a, that's wrestling. A, yes but, with is. like these
1: luchadores had like masks and like the yeah. whole house outf- outfit and everything so my father my father was a big uh fan of it and his favorite uh wrestler had a daughter named America Mm-hmm. And I guess he just read it in a newspaper or somewhere, and he decided that that was gonna be my name, and now it's my name. And um, my mother almost named me Flo- Flor, flower, Flo. in, in in English. I, I mean, I like I like flowers, but I don't think I would have liked to be named Flor.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I like America. I think America is more like um, unique. Although I know another America who lives here in the Berkshires. Really? Yes. And she's (laughs) from Mexico too. So um, yeah, but it's very unique. And I think when people hear my name, it's hard to forget that name. It's like, oh, absolutely. Is. America. Oh, okay. I remember you. I don't remember your face, but I remember your name.
0: So that's right. So when someone says uh, America is coming in for the podcast, <laughs> it's, uh, you remember that uh, for sure. And, um, and interesting, uh, it is, it has a wonderful flow and, and floor, it's very nice name and, and flowers are very nice, but there's a, there's a flow, uh, to a name and, uh, America is, is wonderful. And, Maybe um, a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't know if there was an intention ever when you were younger to consider that one day you would come to the United States. Um, but of course you did. Uh, take me through your childhood a little bit. Was that was that maybe something that you had always thought about or no?
1: Um, so in a way, I will say that pretty much everyone I know when they were little wanted to come here to the United States just to see how uh, New York looked like. Right. (laughs) So I don't necessarily uh, thought that I was going to be coming here or living here or yeah, just living here. And then actually, I am the only one in my family who lives here. Everyone else, my my mother, my sister and my brothers live in Mexico.
0: And I I presume you're very close to your family.
1: Yes yeah um um I don't know if, um I think that people who come here to live in this country uh like we are very in a way that in the same way that we want to be close to our families we also like to or individuality so much, that we appreciate it so much, that we think that we can create something out of nothing. Mm. And I think that uh, I have noticed some um, people having or sharing some kind of uh, traits with me. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So tell me about that a little bit. The What are the... <laughs> That's the traits <laughs> they may share with us, and we're talking about other people who decided to come. to leave their
1: families behind yeah, yeah. and just come here by on their own, yeah, so I feel i feel, I have noticed that um they like to uh create their their own worlds in a way like I'm gonna start this and I don't have my mother or my brothers or anyone around me who. Are going, to, uh, are going to dictate who I am or how I'm going to do things. I want to do things my way, even though my way is not the right way. I just want to try. And I admire, or maybe I'm biased, but I I admire that on people who come here on their own and then start families or they start creating their own community. And when I have conversations with, the, with them, I have noticed that, they that they start like having all these new ideas and not necessarily are the same ideas or the sa- or they hold different values that their families not necessarily hold. and I think that that's a good thing. sometimes we don't want to hold some values like very like um like very deep. We don't want to hold those values. So when we have the chance to just separate from our families and the culture and the values, we start revaluating re- re- things and going back and saying, Oh, okay, so I do like this, I decided that I do like this value, I do like this tradition, and I value it. But it's only after uh, you or I have or we have this stance from those uh things that were just there and we didn't um value them so much because they were there mm. or they were given yeah. so there's this movie that i loved so much about a boy who lives his family he was um a boy who was um like a genius and he was separated from his family because yeah the family could not teach him so he was taken to um to a school for um prodigy kids and there was this phrase that i just loved so much he was like i don't know like eight to 12 years old i cannot remember but he was saying that in order for people to love what they have left behind they need to first distance from that and then go back and and just like love it again as, as if it was a new thing. And I agree with that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, those are really great points, and probably something that people n- didn't necessarily think because if you love your family and, and uh, you're close to them, then the idea would be, <laughs> well, stick around in the family. But there is a really amazing point. Absence makes the heart grow fonder sometimes, also. I know it's a very trite saying, but that's that. Um, and you know, part of it is also finding yourself. And it's very difficult to truly find yourself and who you are if you're still very much a part of the dynamic that you grew up in. So that's a part of it, I could imagine, too. But But I really like the idea of, hey, if you truly appreciate the family that you grew up in and the culture that you grew up in, then go away from it and share that culture and share that family ness in another place. And then it kind of grows, and it sort of blossoms somewhere else.
1: Yes, I have. Uh, actually, I have noticed that um, not only in me, but I'm a very observant person. Mm-hmm. And I have noticed that many um, immigrants who have come here, whether it's um, five, 10, 20 years, 30 years, Uh, we value cultures much more than if we were in our countries. I don't don't imagine myself, for example, uh, having a, a a Mexican flag on my car if I was in Mexico, it would not make (laughs) sense for me. But now I'm here and I don't have a Mexican flag, but I wear things that remind me of Mexico. And I want things in my home that reminds me that I'm Mexican. And I have noticed that like, we kind of um, value things that we get, like we had taken for granted before. Mm -hmm. Even my sister was here uh, about two months ago and she stayed only for um, six or seven weeks. And the way that she saw Mexico changed. And she, kind of, she was sharing with me how now she could like, go back and look at the things that she took for granted. For example, the food mm. and go and enjoy it. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. She missed the food. I do. I
0: <laughs> I would miss the food too. <laughs> I I
1: miss the food. I'm I'm kind of um I'm used to like tacos here or uh, They're a lot different, right? They're different, yes. And um well yeah, but I miss food. I'm not um um I like food. The good thing is that I don't go crazy over food. <laughs> <laughs> but I do miss um um my mom's cooking, I think the most. Yeah yeah yes (laughs) um
0: so you began to share stories in the model of the moth Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and you organized it it was in the middle or the beginning i should say of the pandemic and the lockdown and you began a podcast uh then it became i guess a radio show as well um with that concept why why did you start that at that time
1: so um, I'm a a big big fan of the the no, moth
0: Nomadas Radio Nomadas Radio, nomadas radio. Yes. Just, to, just to make sure people know it's yes. Google it you'll find it and yes
1: <laughs> yeah so I um when I was on a road trip or driving or anything like that if I had like oh, more than twenty minutes I would listen to the moth with my daughter and I thought it was just wonderful the way in which people like share their stories and sometimes we cried listening to the stories yeah. we laugh like what people uh, can um just um pass through you through uh, through their stories and how they tell it i think it's very powerful so during the when the pandemic started kind of like in March and April I had, I felt like I had a lot of time and I always wanted to try to start a podcast and see, Oh, would I be capable of doing, would I be capable of uh, getting uh, people to come and talk to me? And what would I talk about? So I thought, okay, I just want to hear stories. I want to hear kind of, um, how people came here, what they do, or a story of survival or something that they just want to share. Like, I want to know. So um, I started that podcast. And then when one of my friends knew that I was starting uh, that, that podcast, she reached out to me and she shared with me that she had a radio show in Mexico. And I said, so come and join me and I'll, I will learn from you and we can do it together.
0: So she had a radio show in Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Good friend to have.
1: Huh? Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. that was actually that was very. Um, yeah, that was not even something that we will talk about or no. Yeah. I, she was just my friend. We'll talk about something else, but never about that kind of stuff so when i said hey i want to have this podcast well, um, by
0: the way i have a radio show yeah by the by the way
1: when i was in mexico i Sary started Dippity. this show and i'm like oh okay <laughs> so we started and um she knew how to like do recordings cut the the recordings like she knew how to use the software and i did not so that was great that she came and (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah and i learned a lot from her and then um we were we will share our podcast and we started with actually our first episode was about resilience because i think it was very like a, a topic that was very needed in that moment And I wanted to communicate something to people. I wanted to kind of um, be close, even though we could not be close, but talk about, have a conversation that that I would have with my friends Mm. about time and say, okay, so we have... we are resilient and this is what, what I like starting like from the bottom, like, okay, uh, let's go to basics. So what is resilience and why and where? <laughs> let the
0: definition yeah. of resilience. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we talked quite a bit about resilience on this uh, podcast I as bet, well. Yeah. I mean, cause this is, I mean, this is the teeth of the human experience, you know, uh, in so much. So I love this. I love this.
1: Yeah. So then after that, I think, um, my friend was ready to just go and take the next step. And I felt that I was, I was a little bit afraid. <laughs> I'm always <laughs> a bit hesitant about things, but I was like, oh, okay, yeah, let's try. Um, and we um, just applied to have our show in the radio community in Great Barrington. It was accepted, and uh, we started inviting people. When we could uh, invite people, we will invite one guest. So, yeah, we just wanted people to share their stories, to talk about something that they felt was important and wanted other people to know. And for me, at that moment, the main uh, goal was that people had a space to talk and not only... um, like important people, but just people, yeah. just people. Like yeah. just come yeah. and tell us what you want to talk about and why you think that is important for the community. Yeah, and yeah, and it was a great experience. We have um, a lot of uh, great guests that will talk from topics that would go from um, how to start a business to somebody. Uh, sharing their story about how um, uh, about um, feminine empowerment. So, so, we had like all these kind of uh, stories, and it was or What we had to do with those stories, like, kind of like follow the conversation and get mm-hmm. people to like uh, talk about the story in a way that it felt that others could relate to that story. So, yeah, we had a great great time. Then we transitioned to uh, It's Phil Community Radio, and then now we have that show called Nomadas Radio. We talk um, more about uh, mental health and um, personal growth topics. Mm. It's a team of five.
0: But it's in Spanish. It's
1: in Spanish, in Spanish yes. Yeah. We bring this... Um, topics to the table, because we believe that nobody's talking about them, even though we all kind of need that. Um, and,
0: and it's interesting that you say no one is talking about that, because I think people, I think they talk about it, but they kind of talk around it exactly. because, you know, yeah, I think we're to a point where we recognize it and we hear a lot. Sometimes there's a lot of buzz terms, especially when there's an incident like a shooting or something. And then you hear from people saying, well, we need more mental health. We need more mental health. Well, what does that even mean? First of all, but more than that, there has always been a stigma on mental health. And I think you don't break the stigma until you get a little bit deeper. um, And then, you know, people start talking about it, you know, in a more, Personal way. And I'm not saying people, you know, have to do that, but I think that does help to demystify it or take away somewhat of the stigma that a lot of people uh, deal with mental health, who are friends and neighbors, and and you know, and it's not just this. Oh, it's you know, those people with mental health issues. No, I mean we're, <laughs> you know, everyone is impacted uh, to to a great extent with mental health
1: issues. Yes, and I think um I agree with you on that. In a way, everyone is talking about it, but I feel like we are not talking about it in a way that it that we all can relate to to mental health issues because we, and I'm talking about the Latinx community, mm. we have more uh, taboos around. Uh, mental health mm-hmm. problems it's like um or i'm not gonna call them problems that's what we, what we call them in spanish yeah. Yeah. so just mental health uh topics that people um we cannot name something that we don't know right mm-hmm. it's, so that's one of the reasons why we talk about those topics we want uh our community of listeners to be able to name what they are feeling or to name what they are seeing or they are experiencing or seeing somebody else experiencing in a way that we put ourselves on the first line of saying I have felt anxious and this is how it feels and I have been feeling or have episodes of depression and this is what it what it feels like oh my someone in my family have experienced has experienced this or that it's just in a way that we are not experts in these topics, but we just want to bring those topics to the table. So, and we always um, uh, encourage people to seek for therapeutic help, health, or if they know somebody who may be needing to do it as well. We're not, we're not we have a um, coach in our team Mm-hmm. And she can bring that uh, perspective, but she's not a psychologist. She's not a therapist. She's on her way to be that. And she brings that to the table. And that's very valuable for us to have someone who has the the um, credentials to talk about something that we are like, okay, we just feel this and we mm-hmm. have learned this, but we just want to talk about it. But please just share your uh, your knowledge about yeah. this topic.
0: Yeah, because sometimes it's just, you know you need someone to listen <laughs> yeah. and, and and it doesn't have to be someone with a degree in you know clinical you know psychology or or mental health um licensure or something like that uh, you know I, mm-hmm. and, and that's great i mean I'm, and by the way is that through the the, the radio program you have yes okay. yes okay who joins you on the show yeah because yes. so you you know you wear a few hats in the community so and yes. we'll talk about that in a little bit so uh, just to just to be clear um talking about the actual radio program yes. and having someone in there to kind of give that perspective. Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. Yeah. So in a team where five uh people are um it's quite a team. It's quite
0: a team. <laughs> yeah. And we a have a whole team of people on that show.
1: Yeah, it is. And um, it allows for it allows for flexibility and also difference on, on perspectives. We have one uh man his name is fernando he just joined us uh about a couple of months ago because we always thought uh talk everything from the female yeah. perspective yeah and and
0: by the way you know it, in this in our community uh latinas it, it you have a very strong presence now in the brochures and we yes. talked about this you know the latinas 413 and we discussed it before the show i i've, I've had people from latinas 413 and so forth and we're kind of like okay i think everybody knows about it now (laughs) although to be fair yeah anyone could be hearing this now and saying what is the latinas 413 but um but with that said uh there is a really strong established um group of women um latinas that uh you know that it's a super support group but it's a good point that having the male perspective you know that's that's
1: The male perspective. It is is important. It (laughs) is important because uh, because every time we had a conversation or we wanted to talk about a specific uh, topic, um, we always felt like, okay, we're just talking about, like, the female (laughs) perspective. But where is that counterpart (laughs) telling us that that other it's side. Kind of like Out. the view.
0: Yes. pop a man in there. You know, see what he has to say. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah. That too. <laughs> no.
1: It was for <laughs> the visuals. No, 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 no. Fernando's great. And um we had him as a guest as well. And mm-hmm. I heard him and I heard his story and the um seriousness that he puts when he talks about um, some topics that are not easy to talk about, but at the same time, like that um, the seriousness but also the the honesty mm-hmm. of um, someone who has who has gone through some uh, of these things that we're talking about. and then he comes and he just shares and he opens up and i think that's very valuable for other men to see that um that men especially in the latinx community as i said we have these taboos and sometimes men are taught to be machos or not not talk about their feelings or Mm. any of that so when fernando came in um it was just um part of the need of a of a group to see male um, talking about things that are happening not only to women. We're talking about these things, but it's not happening only to us. Or we're not feeling the post pandemic uh, depression or an- anxiety or only us. It's our families. It's men. It's children, and and it's us. But it's not only us. So, yeah, yeah, I, I really I am very proud of the team that we have formed.
0: the team keeps growing.
1: Yes. And, the th- and yeah, and yeah. And, <laughs> and that's um, yeah, yeah. And hopefully we have one more people and then we can just start having like um, a calendar. I see a lot of things happening with our group.
0: That's amazing. That's great. I do hope that you are enjoying the podcast. I just want to take a quick moment. To let you know that this is a production of 180 Media. That's my full service communications and marketing agency. We do a full range of content development, graphic design, web development for WordPress or Wix or other web platforms, copywriting, video work. Check out 180media.com and see also some of my past work and the agency's past work on my blog, johncroll.info. And now back to the podcast. Now, your uh, day job—you mm-hmm. uh, work for volunteers in medicine. Is that is that correct? Yes. Them, so, and you see uh, the challenges out there with healthcare. And I presume that you know there may be some you know, challenges with people who may not have uh, health insurance or have access to it, and uh, there may be some language barriers there. I'm saying probably, li- yeah, likely there there are. Uh, issues that you are supportive in. So you are actually a um, a worker there who provides social service uh, support. What's it like doing that uh, in the community?
1: Um. Well, I'm gonna I feel um, I have mixed feelings about doing that job. I love my job. I love doing that. As, um, I love the fact that I can do uh, what I always wanted to do, which was like, kind of like help people like me when I came here I I needed like all these kind of supports but they didn't exist they I didn't know Mm. what to look for them so I didn't have them and then now I have the opportunity to connect people to what they need and it feels like redeeming like something that I'm doing for me and it feels good but it's not me it's other people which is great And sometimes it's hard because it's people's lives. And sometimes that's kind of, um, it is hard. People's lives sometimes are complicated. Sometimes people are going through situations that are not the most ideal or what we would expect from people. But I think that the fact that there's people, not only BIM, but other organizations focused on uh, connecting new immigrants in the area to resources or food or whatever they might be needing i think it's great so what we do in them for our patients is when they come through the door the first thing that we do is try to um identify what are are the gaps like what are the needs and
0: it is a goal for just to you know, look at the big picture, is is the goal for VIM to get patients sort of now into the traditional healthcare system? Is that part of the goal or h- how does that work? Because presumably if someone was, you know, say covered with health insurance, then they would be able to go to, I don't know, CHP, or they'd you know, be able to go to, you know, some health systems physicians or that sort of thing. Where, where does VIM sort of fit into
1: that? So, okay, I will rephrase that. The goal goal of BEM is the overall well being of a person. Uh In this case, uh, we serve mostly immigrants. And most of our patients are Spanish speaking uh, people, but we serve people from other countries like Brazil, uh, Portugal, Russia, um, Congo, um and many other countries who are um Afghanistan so um, the first thing that we do when people come through the doors uh, of BIM is um helping them get insurance um it's like helping filling out applications to send to Mass Health so they have insurance but we also provide medical services which are free um for everyone who doesn't qualify or for um standard health insurance Mm -hmm. or who is under insured and that is most of our spanish-speaking patients so after that we try to identify what what other needs the person has whether it is um lack of food, or lack of um, understanding how to navigate the systems here in the United States, like uh, school system, the banking system, or any other system that you can imagine um, that we have here and that we are used to, we know how to navigate if I want to get a driver's license. I know I have to go to the DMV, but um, someone who is new to the area do not know how to do that. So we try to, to we assess people and we ask, um, what are you interested in? What are you, we want to know about people first. Like, why, why are you here? Who brought you here? Or how you got here? You have family. Uh, what made you come here? Is it work? Is it, wh- what is it? And people open up. And mm. they open up because I think that they trust BIM as an institution. Mm. And behind the institution is all the staff. Before I worked there and even I, I, I was a patient there for a long time. Actually, I'm still a patient <laughs> <laughs> there. So um, it's just the trust what brings people in. And then... That allows to help them, and I will say pretty much anything they need. Any we don't have it, we don't have everything in, uh, on their beam, but we have uh, connections with other organizations, connections with other people that we know. And that we, if we don't have something, we refer people, but we try to make. Uh, newcomer establish as fast as possible for them to just be i'm just gonna use this word for them to be successful in this country and that i have seen that change Mm. in the past years that was not here in the past and i am very i have seen the immigrant community growing and i feel like we are we are at this place where I feel like we can thrive and that the community around us allow us to thrive.
0: Now tell me about how you ended up succeeding. So you came to the U.S. And when?
1: So I came in
0: 2003
1: hmm. and... I started working. I mean, work.
0: What brought you here in the first place?
1: So I had a boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> who I met when I was in a teenager in Mexico. We were uh, together for about five years, and he got a job in a um, in a welding shop here in the Berkshires in Pittsfield, mm. and I was naive, <laughs> so I followed. <laughs> and i came with him yeah, but things
0: do happen for a reason right
1: yes of yeah. course no yeah. of course i yeah. stayed and he left so <laughs> <laughs> so yes they do happen for a reason and and uh, i was curious i was very very curious i wanted to 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 see the world i was wanted to see like what was happening out there and when he asked me to come of course i said yes i i didn't hesitate i said yeah so i came and I started working in a hotel. I didn't know English, I didn't know English, so I would communicate through notes, because I knew note, enough English to write small notes. <laughs> like like I, I don't know, like small notes. I would go to the hospital or whatever I needed, and I would make notes before I went, just to give them to the person who was at the counter or front desk or whatever. And um, but I, as I say, I was very curious, I'm still very curious, so I wanted to learn, and I um, started taking English classes, and then um, I stopped because I thought I knew enough English, I didn't, but I was just, um, I don't know, I just wanted to do other things, focus on other things, for example, like making friends. Um, so I was very young, so I wanted to make friends. I wanted to connect with people and um and then fast time just flies. I just remember that when I had my daughter, I started questioning about my life I started questioning my life choices and what I was gonna be doing for the rest of my life and and I decided that I wanted to to continue my education so i took classes at bcc it was very challenging because my english wasn't enough um to get all that information in my brain and um but it was a good challenge i love the challenge anyway so <laughs> so, so this is
0: after your daughter was born yes yeah, you went to bcc okay yes that so was you after have, so you had a little one yes you know and then and putting and probably working as well and then yes uh, going to school all at the same time
1: yeah and um yeah i i i actually never thought much about it i just wanted to do it and um i didn't know how to do it i started learning um i think life is just a learning process when you think you know something there's something new that comes to you and you have to learn again Mm. and there's beauty in that because that keeps i love that it keeps me motivated so yes i started taking classes for um to become a social worker and um then I thought I was on the right track because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to advocate. I wanted to help people have better lives or to have information that will make them um, make better decisions. And then I started volunteering at BM and now, now I work there. So
0: you've been there for? <laughs> two certainly. years.
1: It's only two years okay. that I've been there. Okay, I've been there. Yeah, two years. I started as a volunteer uh, just as an interpreter. And then, um, doing, uh, a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that. And now I'm here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: and then helping other people that were in, in your same situation. I mean, you know, you talked about it, but there were, I'm sure there were tough times. There were probably, you know, some, um, uh, stressful evenings that, uh, you know, sometimes you're like, how, how is this all going to work? Um, little girl you know um, and and you know schooling and the rest and but but even in the earlier days um you know what was it like being someone who wasn't able to speak English uh and then even just finding a job finding any kind of place um or even people to talk to when you didn't even know English at that point
1: so yeah it was very challenging I remember that um When I wanted to apply for a job, for example, I will have to ask somebody who spoke English. Would you please help me fill out this application? Or would you please take me to this place or that place? But I always felt like very dependent on other people. And to me, that is... That is very hard for me yeah, to to, <laughs> to to you're not
0: the type uh, to uh, be excited about having to to lean on people you know, yes. to get things done. Right?
1: Yes. I mean, I, I I ask for help if I need it, but I feel like that was just for me. That was too much. I come from a family or from a mother who is very independent and who always does things on her own. So it, it was kind of um yeah it was a challenge for me plus the language so um I remember that um the biggest struggle for me was um trying to communicate what I thought was fair or what I or some things that I saw happening at work that I didn't like situations that I didn't like and trying to communicate it in a way that didn't feel like I, I wasn't sure of what I was gonna say or what I wanted to 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 bring to the attention of my um boss or whatever. So I became very um I don't like I will be I became the the advocate of my friends because of a group of five, I was the one that Write <laughs> right now, don't <laughs> say like, and oh, no, I don't think that's fair. That was my, I think one of my, uh, f- the first works that I <laughs> learned, fair. <laughs> <laughs> and... <Well>. and- <laughs>
0: america will say it she'll she'll be the one to go to the <laughs> boss and, and tell yeah. uh, the boss right
1: yes but I, w- I think that was the most challenging times not being able to communicate what i wanted and um yeah everything else i felt like i could ask other people but not being able to communicate clearly that was one of my biggest challenges and then after that um I don't know. I feel like everything became easier once I accepted that. Yes, I was not gonna be able. I was not going to be able to communicate clearly, but I could communicate in a way where where at least people understood mm. me and would not um, question what I was saying because I had addiction. <laughs> right,
0: but I think I mean to some extent. I if you know, putting uh, yourself in the uh, shoes of someone in in that management pos- position when you have someone who doesn't necessarily, well, didn't speak the language, um, but then had and has the guts to come up and say something and articulate it in the way that uh, you you did. Um, you got to take that really, really seriously because at the end and take that for what it absolutely is uh, a powerful statement because um, it was really hard for you to do that so it, it wasn't just you know someone coming and you know complaining to the boss so you know this this sort of you know maybe backhanded comment this was real you yeah. know so i i i have to imagine that there's a lot of uh power behind that
1: oh, <laughs> i want to think the same i don't i don't um i'd actually i would i wish i could talk to the person now and ask what what do you think when I was saying like this? Um complete sentences. <laughs> but I don't know. It was um and it was a learning experience. It was a learning experience because I um realized that I could do some things that other people will not even if they had the language would do. And and to me that was like, Oh, okay. I don't speak English even I feel like that now. Like uh, English is not my first language, but I am not hesitant to say that something is wrong, or that something can be worked better, or that something can be done in a way that it's more equitable for people. Mm. And um, yeah, and I feel like if I said it then, and I still say it, that says something about who. I am, and what I believe in.
0: You also do work in the schools as well. You know, yes. tell me about that. Um, and, and certainly, you have a uh, your daughter is in the, the schools in the, uh, the Berkshire Hills district. Um, tell me about that work.
1: It was a position that I opened because of the growing um, immigrant population coming into Berkshire Hills Schools. And when I was uh, offered the position through BEM, I had a lot of uh, hesitancy about my capabilities to do it. Um, but I, I knew that, I, that that was something that I wanted to do at the same time. I remember that when the pandemic started and i saw a lot of uh, issues in the Pittsfield schools like in the way that they communicated with families or the presentations that they had to use the platform for virtual learning
2: mm-hmm.
1: in the beginning wasn't in spanish so i could only imagine if a family that doesn't speak english want to support the children in the at home but they can't because there's a barrier in there so i um when i tried to help my daughter the platform was very difficult to navigate and i just started thinking about all these families that lived in pittsfield and some of them i know and i have been living here in the berkshire for a long long time so I have a big community of people who I know and I'm very close to. And that felt like, okay, I want to call this person and see how that person is doing and how she's doing with her three children in school. And if she's been able to understand how to use the platform, and I will call her and she saying, say, no, I didn't sign in. My children are not attending school. Uh, so I wanted to help her individually but at the same time I was thinking okay this is her well what about these other families yeah right and um so I started forming part of a group who advocated for the Pitsville schools to have all this information in Spanish as well and the trainings and all of that so when I was offered the position and I started I was doubting about could I do this or what what is um, this is what the job description is telling me but
2: <laughs> am i
1: capable of doing that so I was like yeah I think I am capable because I the main the main reason to do this job is to um, connect families to resources to information and to have a more background for students so yeah, I want to do that, and um,
0: so this is in this is in the Pittsfield Public
1: Schools. No, this is in Berkshire Hills. So before okay, I okay. even became the parent liaison in Berkshire Hills, I was doing some um, advocating for the families in Pittsfield.
0: I see. Okay. Yes. Okay, so that's so you kind of got this experience working with families and and friends uh, who were navigating the Pittsfield Public Schools. Yes. And then so okay, gotcha. gotcha. Yes.
1: Yeah. So. Um, This job is very rewarding because I get to see students firsthand, especially the newcomer students who just arrived in the last year. And I have seen their progress, and I have seen how uh, families become more involved if they feel like the school is doing an effort to have them more engaged and to, like, share information. And to ask them questions and to like really try to have a a direct communication with them. And for me, the biggest part is that I have been able to identify some issues. I don't think that the schools didn't realize it before. I think they knew it. But now that they have the parents sharing their own experiences in the school and saying, I think this is the information I needed. And... This is what i want to know and this is how i want to support my student Mm -hmm. and the school here firsthand from the parents not necessarily from me i can say many things but when they hear directly from the families i Mm -hmm. think that that's the that's the powerful part of my job it's just allowing that these spaces uh create where families can directly say how they feel or ask the questions or and even for the staff and the, the school teachers and, and leaders to sit at a table with uh families who have been in their district for over six years. And it's the first time that they sit at a table and oh. they see them. So, yeah, it is a very rewarding job. It's, it has its challenges, yes, but all jobs to, to do, I think.
0: Yeah, well, I think... And, and voices of parents are are very powerful so you can have ideas or observations that are happening within the school district but it has a lot more uh juice politically i guess is the way to, to describe it when it's coming from parents so being able to facilitate that in your position um leads to real change uh, yes. leads to real change so it, it's good to see that and you, know, you can imagine for families who, in many cases, may have English as a second language or, you know, little knowledge of English. Um, the intimidation factor that it must be. You know, you are talking about working with different platforms. Presumably, they're in English um, primarily. I mean, maybe there is some, hopefully, some um, Spanish um, integration there, uh, or an alternative, uh, or other languages too. But I think primarily it would be it would be Spanish. Um, You know, is is the language barrier? Is that the primary uh, issue uh, with families?
1: So, from my perspective, it is the primary issue. It's um, if a family receives a letter or information that it's in English, even though the family opens opens the email or letter or listens to a voicemail. But if it's in english intention <laughs> is there but there's not the other well, i mean
0: just i mean just imagine yourself uh, turning on um nomadas radio and not knowing spanish you know how far are you going to get into that episode you exactly. know what i'm saying so yes. um put yourself uh, in the shoes of of those families and um you know people uh know that well maybe the, the students themselves may be fluent in english or working on that but the parents it could be a different story and the parents need to be engaged
1: yes the parents need to be engaged because even though the maybe our children know english and they could understand that if they have a the understanding of a child right and, mm-hmm. and children are not thinking about oh how am i going to support myself to go to college or they might i don't know but i don't think but i think it's I was going to say my favorite word, for fair. It is not fair for children to do. Uh, and I have seen that, sadly, that a lot of students have to do the job of their parents because of the language barrier. When I know that the parents want to support their children, and if they had the information, and if they understood, understood the system, they will do what they can to support their children. I have seen that happening um so I think that um what I think about that is children need to be children and us parents need to be parents and if we have the information and we have what we need to do our jobs as parents and to support children especially in the school setting I I think that's just a win-win for everyone
0: Yeah, yeah yeah I think it's worthwhile when you talk about investments in different districts it is worthwhile to have um, e- even just to make sure you have a translator um, in place uh, that that can facilitate conversation, but then, like you said, in some of these platforms, it needs to be standard, and um, and that was not always the case. I know in Pittsfield Public Schools, they're doing better.
1: Yes, um, with
0: that, we're seeing that you're seeing you know uh, the two letters come you know next to each other, one in English and one in Spanish, that sort of thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, it makes a big big difference. So I think we're starting to see that. I was just having a conversation with an educator uh, the other day uh, who works with Head Start. And, and she says that um, the language barrier is one of the primary uh, issues. Well, probably the primary issue also for for that organization. So, you know, clearly it's being seen across the board, but it's also being seen and, and understood. So you're starting to see some changes. With I that.
1: have. Yeah. And yeah. actually that makes me very um, it makes me happy to see those changes. It makes me happy. For the families and especially for the students, I have I before I had the job, I knew I care about children <laughs> as as people do, but just I just care about them. But now that I work more close to them, I have become more involved in. Okay, how can I really support these students? I'm here to support the families, and the family includes the students. So how can I really support the family so the student can have a better time when they're in school and what is it that they need sometimes children are in school they come here to the country they are pro- they are placed in school because that's what they need to do just go to school and sometimes they don't perform well in school so before and i think that's the the beauty of having these two jobs and how they connect as a community health worker and as a parent liaison is that before I know the situation of the student at school, I have the context of the family through them. So many times I know mm. that maybe a student is not performing well because something is happening at home or they have uh, lived through a traumatic experience, so they need something else besides. Uh, school support they need um maybe being connected to a counselor to someone who can help the family so i get to see the two sides of the students mm-hmm. and and i think um that that uh, that allows me the the connection of these two jobs allows me to do a better job with a family because mm-hmm. i know what's happening at school and i know what's happening at the um, at home sometimes most of the (laughs) times and more sometimes that we would like to know but I feel like we want to so we want to care about our families we want to do whatever we need to do to just have a family who has a good life here and who has all the information or or all the information that needs to make good choices and that it's a family that is informed about the resources that they can access to have a a good life here. Uh, I don't mean to be repetitive, but I feel like the resources that we have here in the Berkshires now are, can just accommodate any family to have a good life. And if we work as a community and the organizations to try to help a family, whether it's like health insurance, food security, um, in the beginning a family will need maybe a lot of help mm. but eventually they will not need a lot of help it's just the beginning This this the the process of establishing and then families start having a good life they they um the parent and mother um the parents have a job students are doing good in school and not everything is a success but at least everything that was that needed to be done was done and mm-hmm. I feel like, I, I, I'm talking for everyone here, but I feel like that's when you can feel at peace. That we did what we could and that we wanted that family to do well here.
0: Mm-hmm. What's it like living in the Berkshires for you? I mean, um, you know, clearly you have a great group of friends. Yeah, and that was something that you indicated early on and and you have this tight-knit uh, group of friends and you have your friends who you do the radio uh, program with what is it like uh, living here for for america in the berkshires
1: so i um i am i feel very fortunate to live here in the berkshires first of all because it's a beautiful area i live in west stockbridge so if i just drive like five minutes i'm um in olivia's um overlook oh
0: yeah i've never you know i've never made it (laughs) out there before i love i love trails throughout the berkshires and uh that is one that i have not gone to yet and uh it's, it's on my list but um it is i hear it's it's quite beautiful
1: it is beautiful so yeah that's um that's one of the for me that's one of the perks of living in the berkshires that you you are so close to nature that it doesn't matter where you go you you find a trail or a lake or anything like that <laughs> so right. yeah that um i come from um me- in the surrounding area of mexico city so very urban not a lot of trees <laughs> or lakes <laughs> so that's my favorite part about living here in Berkshires, and i also have Uh, I created this community with people, mostly women, not because I wanted to, but that's how I turned out (laughs) to be, Uh, um, that I feel that support me. I have um, a lot of uh, different groups of friends, and I feel like I can turn to any of these groups, and I feel supported and cherished, cherished. I can say that word, <laughs> share as a person. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I feel like, as I said, I feel like the the immigrant community has the opportunity now to, to thrive. And I feel very fortunate to be able to see that. And for me, living in the Berkshires, I don't, I have, travel to other parts of the country and I don't think that I will leave the Berkshires to live in another place no matter how beautiful it is (laughs) yes I have yeah this is home for me now this is just home and your daughter and my daughter yes of course and I have my daughter here who is 11 she is very creative very fun very sassy at times and um, yeah she's more sociable than 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 I am, and that is a lot. I to wow. say. <laughs> so sometimes I just want to go somewhere and I just want to relax and not talk, just relax. And my daughter will I will hear my daughter saying yeah, hi, hi here, <laughs> hi there. And, and that's not just to children, but some adults and I asked so where do you know from where you know that person oh is my uh counselor from camp, or is someone from school or is someone from this place?" and I'm like, oh okay, <laughs> but yeah this and um she keeps me connected to i actually I feel like what made me ca- come out out of my shell was my daughter, hmm. yes. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like I well, I needed things. I needed um to know the community and know people and all of that, but I was fine. I was
0: Yeah. I mean, are you an introvert? Or,
1: or? Um I'm it's oh. I guess it's kind of an
0: overused term. It's kinda it's kinda, <laughs> you know, not not giving it enough nuance, but yes. um but you know, maybe not the outgoing type.
1: I am going, but what I meant like come out, out of my shell was like I I I didn't feel the need to go out to like a festival or to like, oh, let's go to the lake to do this or do that. It's, it, it was more like, I'm just gonna just have a couple of friends sit here in my backyard and then go to work and then come home and do the same thing. So after my daughter was born and she started growing... I wanted her to go to be out in the community, to go to the park, to go for an ice cream. If I saw that it was something at the library, I will take her. I will not do, I wasn't doing that for myself. I wasn't doing, oh, um, let's go to the library and see what's happening in there or let's go to the museum and see what's happening. And no, that happened after I had her. And and that was great because now I feel like more connected.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, thank, <laughs> thanks to your daughter. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. <laughs> But it, it seems as though um, you've been able to succeed in actually making uh, change, uh, whether it's in the schools and certainly you know, the work you do with them, um, you know, and, and all of it is uh, valuable when people volunteer their time. But, uh, but when you have the knowledge and the abilities and, um, and the empathy through experience as well, and just plain empathy, um, you know, you've made a real impact.
1: Yeah. So, yes, I, I feel like we are in a time, I don't know if it just started, or, we, or I'm just noticing, but I feel like we are in this time where I hear a lot the word um, DI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, here, there, everywhere. Mm. And um, I'm thinking, okay, uh, I know we want to make change. But um, this is not new. This has been happening for a long time. So I I am one of the people who likes to question when a position is open in a place. Is it just because you wanna check um you wanna check something or bots in um where you work? Is it because you really want to have change? And I feel like as long as the people that is occupying those positions want to make change, doesn't matter if the person who puts you in the seat wanted to just uh, check a box. Yeah, you do what you got to do when you have the the place and where you are at the space to do the things.
0: Yeah, no, no, and truly because you know you can have a position, but there's a couple things having the person who can actually uh, do it, but then also supporting that position you know when you know the individual is calling for changes and and then you know the leadership administration saying okay we're going to listen
2: <laughs> to yes. this person that we hired
0: yes. uh who we hired to suggest changes you know once uh once he or she is in that position so all of that is is really important and um so hey you you've got the formula um <laughs> and uh and, and I think you know having parents helping them advocate for themselves to me that that is uh, that is next level because you know um I, that you know, that, that's a knowledge of a <laughs> of of uh, an organization and and how it how it can work um so so good work
1: yeah well, thank you <laughs> <laughs> well america
0: a great pleasure um uh, seeing you and um having a conversation and uh, keep on with the stories, (laughs) Uh, keep on with the stories and, and, um, and sharing those and being an advocate. Um, you're doing great work.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me (laughs) here.
0: Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the John Kroll Podcast on your platform of choice. Maybe it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever works for you. Also, I would like to hear from you on the people and the stories that you'd like to hear more of. Send me a note through Facebook Messenger, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm easy to find and I'm easy to reach. I look forward to hearing from you. And if you'd like to support the podcast for less than a cup of coffee, and I'm not talking about the cost of a large latte at a fancy coffee shop, no, more like a McDonald's coffee, go into the description of this episode and scroll down to the anchor.fm link. It's right there. Just click it and you can see your options or log on to anchor.fm backslash john hyphen kroll backslash support. Again, thank you for listening. I'm John Kroll. Talk to you soon. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.